0: Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast sponsored by Overdrive. This is Emma here with your reminder to make sure that you check in with us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us at Pro book nerds, You can also visit our website, ProfessionalBookNerds.com, or send us an email at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. For today's episode, we have all the co-hosts here today, Joe and Jill, and we're going to discuss our most anticipated reads of 2023. Hi, friends.
1: Hi. Hi.
0: Hello. So this is going to be a really tricky episode admittedly, because it's barely into January Mm -hmm. and I want us to talk about our most anticipated reads for the entire year. I know. Uh, And also
1: not have it be like eight hours long. Right. Yes. (laughs)
0: And some of which I'm sure haven't even been announced yet. So uh, the caveat to this is that this list is most definitely not exhaustive, but we tried to pick 10 or so titles a piece that we are absolutely the most excited about as of this exact moment we're recording um to come out in 2023. So some of these titles I think will be surprises, and others I think you'll be like, yeah, duh. Of course, that was <laughs> on their list.
1: Right. I think there's quite a few of those that are the of course yes. this is here. Yeah. But also like caveats to this is whatever my brain came up with that I was excited for. And I think the three of us basic, like this is just 30 titles that all of us are pretty much equally anticipating eagerly because there's so much overlap between our lists. Um, and also if we forgot a book, you're bound to hear about it in a couple weeks anyway.
2: <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like when we get to the our month- the monthly picks, yeah. Then they sort of get filled in with whatever we may have missed previously on this list.
0: Yay. So let's go ahead and kick off this very jam-packed bookish discussion. I'm going to start with one that doesn't need too much introduction because I have already talked about it a billion and seven times, and it's not even out yet. And that is Happy Place by Emily Henry. This comes out in April of 2023, which, wow, okay, that's this year. So I guess I don't need to say the year. And this follows Harriet and Wyn. this is their second chance romance, they were together and they've broken up and their whole friend group doesn't know about it. And they're meant to go on their annual vacation to this beautiful little cottage in Maine. And so as not to spoil this sort of last hurrah trip for their friends, they pretend that they're still together. So we've got all the things I love in a romance, a second chance. We've got a one bed trope situation and Emily Henry just knows how to write a darn good book. So this is Happy Place. I am fortunate enough to have already read it and I plan on reading it at least twice more this year. And I hope you check it out and let us know what you think. But that was Happy Place by Emily Henry.
1: Such an exciting one to start off with. And you have been gushing about this since you read it (laughs) for months at this point. So my first book is uh, no surprise. It's one of my most anticipated titles. And uh, uh, it is because of this podcast that I fell in love with this author. And now several of his books are in my like regularly reread cycle. But so out April 25th from TJ Klune. This is In the Lives of Puppets. So we're kind of in this strange little village of strange little homes that are in the branches of a grove of trees, and in these homes live three robots. The fatherly inventor, android Giovanni Lawson, a pleasantly sadistic nurse machine, and a small vacuum desperate for love and attention. Victor Lawson, a human, lives there too. They're a family hidden and safe. The day Vic salvages and repairs an unfamiliar android labeled Hap, he learns of a shared dark past between Hap and Geo, a past spent hunting humans. When Hap unwittingly alerts robots from Geo's former life to their whereabouts, the family is no longer hidden and safe. Geo is captured and taken back to his old laboratory in the City of Electric Dreams. So together, the rest of Vic's assembled family must journey across an unforgiving and otherworldly country to rescue Geo from decommission, or worse, reprogramming. Along the way to save Geo amid conflicted feelings of betrayal and affection for Hap, Vic must decide for himself, can he accept love with strings attached? So this is inspired by Carlo Collodi's *The Adventures of Pinocchio*. It's very *Swiss Family Robinson* meets *Wally*, um, and it's just a standalone fantasy adventure from a beloved author. So that is *In the Lives of Puppets* by T.J. Clune, out April twenty-fifth. Emma's holding up her copy. My, I I feel bad adding this to the list because I also have my grubby little mitts on a copy too. It came right before Christmas, and it was. A, a truly unexpected gift
0: <laughs> it looks so good and i love that it's got part swiss family robinson vibes that is one of yeah. my favorite yeah. i don't know if it's a classic i film. call it
1: classic yeah a
0: classic we wa- we actually watched it over the uh, holiday recently and it is always interesting to revisit <laughs> <laughs> those things i hadn't seen it in a really long time and you go oh Huh. Okay, okay. That? All right. Okay. How about that? Um, but yeah, I do love the vibe.
1: Yeah. As always, his covers, I think are really beautiful in a way that kind of tells you exactly what the energy is. So I'm really looking forward to it. I I have not read it yet because I was finishing a hundred other books, but this is the top of my year to start off with.
2: My first one um, is The Teachers by Alexandra Robbins. It's out March 14th. I have interviewed Alexandra before for those podcasts and I love all of her books. She will, she's an investigative journalist who will take a particular group or community and kind of go behind the scenes. In this case, she follows three teachers as they navigate a year in the classroom. Um, There's Penny, who's a Southern middle school math teacher who's dealing with like toxic staff cliques at the big school in a small town. Miguel is a special ed teacher in the Western United States who fights really hard for his students, both as an educator and an activist. And then Rebecca, she's an East Coast uh, elementary school teacher who struggles to sort of have a life outside of the classroom. She with like all of Alexander's books, she follows them very closely through their kind of point of view of the, their day-to-day life as teachers in these very different, um, in educational environments. And then interspersed through all of this are different, um, studies and stories from teachers of, from all over the United States. This book it does take place during COVID. So like the teachers do kind of grapple with that as part of it, but it's not a major part because a lot of the the situations that arise exist for teachers outside of just a pandemic. Just money is a big issue and just sort of like gaining respect depending on what you teach. And this book blew me away. I read all of her books. I love all of her books. This wasn't, this was just incredible. It was just incredible and incredibly riveting. And even as someone who is friend and related to teachers, there was so much in this that just stunned me.
0: So yeah, that's the teachers.
1: That sounds so incredibly impactful.
0: I can't wait for that to come out. And man, have our teachers been through a lot the last several years. For real, for real. (laughs) I, have no segue uh, Other than to say my next pick is not even close to that. And it is A Day of Fallen Night by Samantha Shannon. This comes out in February. And I feel like I have been hearing about this book for months and months and months, pretty much since it was announced. Samantha Shannon takes readers back into the world of The Priory of the Orange Tree, which was a absolutely huge book. And I believe she was on a podcast with uh, an interview with Adam a couple of years ago to discuss Priory of the Orange Tree. So we return to that world in the prequel. It is a standalone, so you don't need to read Priory to dive into A Day of Fallen Night. But this follows four different characters in sort of that same epic universe. I'm going to struggle with the names in this so apologies but we have (laughs) tenuva melim and she's a sister of the priory for 50 years she's trained to slay worms but none have appeared since the nameless one and the younger generation is starting to question the priory's purpose to the north in the queendom of Inus, Inus. Again, we're struggling here. I love fantasy, but I just gloss over the words in my head. So saying them aloud is fun. Uh, We have Sabran the Ambitious has married a new king, narrowly saving both realms from ruin. Their daughter, Glorian, trails in their shadow exactly where she wants to be. The dragons of the East have slept for centuries. Demai has spent her life in a not even going to try to pronounce it, Mountain Temple, trying to wake the gods from their long slumber. Now, someone from her mother's past is coming to upend her fate. When the dread mount erupts, bringing with it an age of terror and violence, these women must find the strength to protect humankind from a devastating threat. Uh, their legacies will shape their world for generations to come. So, again, four interwoven stories about. Many different things, uh, some of which includes, I think, uh, bodily autonomy, the future, family, all with a fantasy twist. So, I'm very much looking forward to a day of fallen night. It must be said, the cover is stunning. I have a copy sitting here in front of me. It must also be noted that in, I think, uh, Priory of the Orange Tree World fashion, this is a lengthy tome. Uh, This is over 800 pages. So uh, fantasy readers rejoice at a lot to sink your teeth into with Samantha Shannon's new book, A Day of Fallen Night. That comes out February 28th. Very excited.
1: Yeah, that book is huge. (laughs) like just looking at it visually giant, but it is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And as you were reading that, I was reminded of a TikTok. I saw yesterday someone reading a fantasy book out loud and they're like, what, what happens in my head? And we're going along and then says to me and just kind of like blanks out the names (laughs) because that's what it's like.
0: (laughs) I 100% do that when I'm reading. If I, if I really don't take the time to figure out how to pronounce it, I just kind of like gloss over it in my head. So (laughs) being faced with reading the description to you all. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Uh Oh, the struggle is real. So uh, this is also like top anticipated book, my next pick. And this is on all of our lists. There's no lie here. This is The Only One Left by Riley Sager out June 20th. Friend of the pod, Riley, has brought us a beautiful gothic chiller about a young caregiver assigned to work for a woman accused of a Lizzie Borden-like massacre decades earlier. So oh, we, we love Riley Sager here. I love Riley Sager. I eagerly anticipate his next book all the time. And it's a, it was a fun feeling to have reignited in 2022. Uh, I mean, the cover is gorgeous. It evokes the past. It's also something of the future. Does that really beautiful color scheme of like opposing colors of red and blue being in the same place. Uh, But as mentioned, it's a Gothic style. So we are looking at, we are looking at the Hope family murders. Uh, What was now, uh, what has now been reduced to an old schoolyard chant. The Hope family murders shocked the main coast one bloody night in 1929. While most people assume 17-year-old Lenora was responsible, the police were never able to prove it. Other than her denial after the killings, she has never spoken publicly about that night, nor has she set foot outside Hope's End, the cliffside mansion where the massacre occurred. So we go from uh, the 20s basically to the 80s. It's 1983 and home health aide kit McDear arrives at decaying hope's end to care for lenora after her previous nurse fled in the middle of the night in her 70s and confined to a wheelchair lenora has was rendered mute by a series of strokes and can only communicate with kit by tapping out sentences on an old typewriter love the creepy vibes right there one night lenora uses it to make a tantalizing offer i want to tell you everything As Kit helps Lenora write about the events leading to the Hope family massacre, it becomes clear there's more to the tale than people know. But when new details about her predecessor's departure come to light, Kit starts to suspect Lenora might not be telling the complete truth, and that the seemingly harmless woman in her care could be far more dangerous than she first thought. I I can't wait. I can't wait.
0: (laughs) It's Stephen King.
1: We're in Maine. Even the cover is like old school Stephen King novel design.
0: 100%.
2: 100%. Lizzie
1: Borden vibes. And I think the thing that sits with me the most, and so like, spoiler alert, if you haven't read all of Riley's books yet, but if you did listen to Emma's interview, you already know this, like all of his books leading up to the house across the lake were not supernatural, but the whole time you were spent wondering, is it supernatural or isn't it? until the end when you find out it wasn't. And then the house across the lake has that supernatural element involved. That's as much as I'll say. So I think some one of my biggest curiosities for this is back to the good old Riley way of like, is this supernatural or isn't it? And I am so excited for that alone, let alone all of the like really solid vibes, um, you know, taking us to the 80s, unreliable narrators. I'm I'm just really looking forward to this one. So that's the only one left by Riley Sager coming June 20th.
0: Can't come soon enough. I, I think know. our group message, I think I'm pretty sure the minute this was announced, we all absolutely lost it in the <laughs> group message.
1: <laughs> You're definitely correct.
2: We did. We probably also all commented on the same Instagram post that Riley put up.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that sounds correct. <laughs> The three of us individually, and then also the podcast. podcast. So excited.
2: (laughs) Cannot wait. All right. So my next one is I have some questions for you by Rebecca Makai. This is out February 21st. So you don't have to wait too long. So, a successful film professor and podcaster, Bodhi Kane, is content to forget her past, a family tragedy that marred her adolescence, her four largely miserable years at a New Hampshire boarding school, and the murder of her former roommate, Thalia Keith, in the spring of their senior year. Though the circumstances surrounding Thalia's death and the conviction of the school's athletic trainer, Omar Evans, are hotly debated online, Bodhi prefers and needs to let sleeping dogs lie. But when the Granby school invites her back to teach a course, Bodhi is drawn to the case and its increasingly apparent flaws. In their rush to convict Omar, did the school and the police overlook other suspects? Is the real killer still out there? As she falls down the very rabbit hole she was determined to avoid, Bodhi begins to wonder if she wasn't as much of an outsider at Granby as she thought, if perhaps back in 1995 she knew something that might have held the key to solving the case uh yes please so this is giving me <laughs> this is giving me vibes similar to ruth Ware's it girl which i really enjoyed um we also love a podcast you know narrator of a book
1: a podcast in a book we love um, to see it <laughs> uh, yeah a podcast
2: in a book you know i love me my murder stories set at schools i mean like a boarding school in new england yes please so very 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 excited for this one
0: I can't wait. We love, love, love a whole podcast mystery thing. That could be an episode. I think we've talked about this before (laughs) podcast about podcasts in books. My next pick is silver in the bone by Alexandra Bracken. This is the start of a new YA series inspired by Arthurian legend. We've got love, revenge, and pure adrenaline. So this follows Tasman Lark. She's immortal with no magical talent. She was never meant to break into ancient crypts or compete with sorceresses and cunning folk for the treasures inside. But after her thieving foster father disappeared without so much as a goodbye, it was the only way to keep herself and her brother Cable alive. 10 years later, rumors are swirling that her guardian vanished with a powerful ring for Arthurian legend. A run-in with her rival Emery's ignites Tasman's hope that the ring could free Cable from a curse that threatens both of them, but they aren't the only ones who covet the ring. Are we seeing all of these things that we love in YI fantasy? I am already. Uh, So of course, as the word spreads about this ring, People start circling. People would kill to have it for themselves. And Emery's is the absolute last person that Tamsin, excuse me, again, fantasy names. Great job here. uh, Would choose to partner with, but she needs all the help she can get to edge out her competitors in finding this ring. So together, Emery's and Tamsin dive headfirst into a nest of dark magic. They've got Deadly Secrets. Um, and they just need to find the ring to save her brother from this curse. So I can't wait. This sounds absolutely fantastic. And this comes out on April 4th. And again, that is Silver in the Bone by Alexandra Bracken, a start to do a new series from her.
1: I, you know, I love me some magic. <laughs> and I'm,
0: yeah, it looks so good. It's got magic. We've got Arthurian legend. We've mm-hmm. got like, rivals like a, teaming up
1: a great blend for a new series
0: save a sibling <laughs> just, and um my sass to the names in fantasy was at my own lack of ability to pronounce them not at the author just as a side
1: note, <laughs> agreed I don't think there is a world where they shouldn't be like that like I need all of our fantasy and like sci-fi names to be wild so I can continue to gloss over them Agreed.
0: (laughs) So I can read Tamsin and Tasman completely wrong in my head and on this podcast.
1: (laughs) All right. I finally did it. And a big thanks to Emma for suggesting these to me. I read all of the Joe Goldberg novels over my little winter break and I was hooked. I now cannot wait for the next installment out April 25th. Uh, This is For You and Only You by Carolyn Kepnes. So the books, the books take a, a cute little departure from the show. If you have watched the show, um, read the books. I, I don't know. The books were the books were a big hit for me. Emma's holding up a beautiful copy of you, <laughs> and it's it's quite the looker. But so this um, is for you and only you. Out April twenty fifth. This is where Joe Goldberg decides he is ready for a change. Instead of selling books, he's writing them, and he's off to a good start. Glenn Shoddy, an acclaimed literary author, recognizes his genius and invites him to join a tight-knit writing fellowship at Harvard, of all places. Finally, Joe will be in a place where talent matters more than pedigree, where intellect is the great equalizer, and anything is possible, even happy endings. Or so he thinks until he meets his already published, already distinguished peers, who all seem to be cut from the same elitist cloth. Thankfully, Wonder Parish enters the picture. They have so much in common, no college degrees, no pretensions, no stories from prep school or grad school, just a love for literature. If only Wonder could commit herself to the writing life, they could be those rare literary soulmates who never fall prey to their demons. Wonder has a tendency to love, to covet, but Joe is a believer in the rule of fiction. If you want to write a book, you have to kill your darlings. So it's got Kepnes's trademark satirical biting wit. It explores why vulnerable people bring out the worst in others as Joe sets out to make this small, exclusive world a fairer place. And if a little crimson runs in the streets of Cambridge, who can blame him? Love doesn't conquer all. Often it needs a little push. For You and Only You by Carolyn Kepnes, out April 25th. Absolutely cannot wait to read this
0: those books are so good. So good. So good. And it was the highlight of my winter break to have Joe randomly text me (laughs) an update as to where he was progressing in Joe's story. And I would just like scream and then have to refresh my memory on what chaos was happening.
1: (laughs) So so many silly moments where I would just be like, love did what in the middle? Like it would be 11 (laughs) PM. So I I listened to the audiobooks, um mm, Santino yes. Fontana.
2: Yep. <laughs> I think and, that's what I did too. Yes.
1: So I was listening to the audiobooks while playing Pokemon Violet. And so i truly just being a kid again. And then I'd I'd pause the game to be like, Emma, what is happening?
0: <laughs> and I would just say, oh, just and I hate when just people do wait. this, like, oh, just you wait. <laughs> oh, I'd, just you wait. Yeah.
2: I think what I like about these books, and you in particular, the first one,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, you read a lot, you're in the book world a lot, there are not a lot of really new, fresh ideas. And yeah. that book, just the way that book is told, is was just, yeah, all the things.
1: They're so uniquely written. Yeah. And you know, there's a there's a lot of the game of like the anti-hero or like you should hate this person, but sure. for some reason you want them to succeed by the end. But not in the way that she writes Joe Goldberg. Like, yes. That th- I it has been a while since I have hit anything quite like this. And Same. problematic faves aside. <laughs> oh yeah. And
0: that's the thing is like you know he is so problematic. My gosh. And yet at certain right. times you still just you sympathize with him. Yeah. Sympathizing with him. And I don't want to say rooting for him because right. I don't condone his behavior. We don't want
1: murder, but no, you do sympathize. You,
0: you sympathize from his headspace in the way that it's presented. And I think right. because we know, I mean, we know that it's fiction, uh, yeah. but wow.
1: And and it's just like, a, it does a really good job of over-dramatizing someone who is in need of serious help how that can go so wrong and like it makes it easy to relate that like well I felt like that but not like that and I also really enjoy the way that um there is a timeline but there isn't a timeline that Mm -hmm. she really does great work to take us from the kind of early days of iPhone usage in you to like I believe there's a TikTok mention in the third book. So, so there's there's these updates in this progress that you don't feel like Joe lost too much time, but you also don't feel like you made a weird retcon lost the plot time jump.
0: Right. And what I also really love about these books aside from the audio narration, Santino Fontana, I will talk about him forever. He's so 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 good. Uh, but that completely lost my train of thought. What I love about these books is that there is a certain level where you have to suspend your disbelief Mm -hmm. because we are four books in to Joe's behavior. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And without spoiling anything, how? Well I I (laughs) it
2: it gives like American psycho vibes where you're not you're not really sure. You know what I mean? Like
1: absolutely. Absolutely. You get to the end
2: and you're just like, again, like how like how?
1: How is he? How is he how, how is, he, is he about to be four books deep?
2: Correct. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And, so you
2: get that vibe.
1: And there's of course moments where it's like, well, it could be incompetence. It could be sheer dumb luck. It could be who knows. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Cannot For wait. Sure. For sure.
2: Well, moving to something completely different. My next one is Reckoning by V who is formerly known as Eve Ensler who was the creator is the creator of the best-selling The Vagina Monologues which is one of my absolute favorite shows and plays I saw it live in I saw it live in college with a trans woman actress as like in the supporting cast so good job my alum. Okay. So this is a memoir. Um, Reckoning invites you to travel the journey of a writer's and activist's life and process over 40 years, representing both the core of ideas that have become global movements and the methods through which V survived abuse and self-hatred. Seamlessly moving from the internal to the external, the personal to the political, Reckoning is a moving and inspiring work of prose, poetry, dreams, letters, and essays drawn from these lifelong journals that takes readers from Berlin to Oklahoma to the Congo, from climate disaster, homelessness, and activism to family. Unflinching, intimate, introspective, courageous, reckoning explores ways to create an unstoppable force for change, to love and survive love, to hold people and states accountable, to reckon with demons and honor the dead, to reclaim the body, and to see oneself as connected to a greater purpose. It reimagines what seems fixed and intractable, providing a path to understand one's unique experience as deeply rooted in the world, to break through one's own boundaries, and to write oneself into freedom. Uh, yeah, that sounds delightful. I mean, delightful is yeah. the wrong word for it. it powerful. And powerful, yeah. Um, So it's out January 31st, so I only have to wait a few more weeks.
1: Hey, and good on you for finding some books that we don't have to wait too long for. I feel like I'm like, I know, so in the I middle know. of the year, you'll get this little treat. I know, I <laughs> know. Yeah,
0: Just in time for my next pick that comes out July 18th. <laughs> so this is a twisted love story by Samantha Downing. This comes out July 18th. I really enjoyed her, I think first book, My Lovely Wife. So if you're familiar with that book, she's had a few since then. So this follows Wes and Ivy who are madly in love. They've never felt anything like it. It, It's the kind of romance that people write stories about, but what kind of story? Because when it's good, it's great. Flowers, grand gestures, deep, meaningful conversations where the whole world disappears. When it's bad, it's really bad. Vengeful fights, damaged property, arrest warrants but their vicious cycle of catastrophic breakups and head over heels reconnections needs to end fast because suddenly Wes and Ivy have a common enemy and she's a detective. There's something Wes and Ivy never talk about in good times or bad. The night of their worst breakup when one of them took things too far and someone ended up dead. I think you can see where this is going. I love it. If they can stick together, they can survive anything, even the tightening net of a police investigation, because one more breakup might just be their last. Dun, dun, dun. So this is a twisted love story by Samantha Downing. And if this is anything like uh, My Lovely Wife, which I really enjoyed, I am eager to see how she portrays this couple uh, with Wes and Ivy.
1: We love a fun, dramatic murder mystery title.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love a a domestic thriller. Mm -hmm. Um, And like my lovely wife was like Dexter slash Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where they were both murderers. So an interesting twist on that kind of you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Another great thriller. (laughs) Um, And so I'm interested to see um, what she brings to the table in this book as well.
1: All right. We love to hear it. (laughs) For my next pick, uh, since I have thanks to Emma, now I have a thanks to Jill. Because of Jill's many glowing recommendations of this author, I am now hooked and eagerly awaiting this March 14th release. My next pick is Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers by Jesse Q. Sutanto. Vera Wong is a lonely little old lady, uh, a lady of a certain age, I should say, who lives above her forgotten tea shop in the middle of San Francisco's Chinatown. Despite living alone, Vera is not needy. Oh no. She likes nothing more than sipping a good cup of wulong and doing some healthy detective work on the internet about what her Gen Z son is up to. Then one morning, Vera trudges downstairs to find a curious thing, a dead man in the middle of her tea shop. In his outstretched hand, a flash drive, Vera doesn't know what comes over her, but after calling the cops like any good citizen would, she sort of swipes the flash drive from the body and tucks it safely into the pocket of her apron. Why? Because Vera is sure she would do a better job than the police possibly could because nobody sniffs out a a wrongdoing quite like a suspicious Chinese mother with time on her hands. Vera knows the killer will be back for the flash drive, all she has to do is watch the increasing number of customers at her shop and figure out which one among them is the killer. What Vera does not expect is to form friendships with her customers and start to care for each and every one of them. As a protective mother hen, will she end up having to give one of her newfound chicks to the police? So that is Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers by Jesse Q. Sutanto out March 14th. So we don't have to wait too, too long for that one. Uh, and I'm so excited. The cover is super fun. I love the energy overall. And Sutanto's writing. Uh, it's, uh, what yes. what could I possibly say? Like
2: Her books are so fun.
1: It's it's always something like this where there is murder, but you're also like, okay.
2: I know. It's, it. you know, you have like rom-coms. And these are like murder coms. I don't know how uh, else to describe them. I,
1: I don't know. It kind of takes me back. Like to, it's kind
2: of cozy, but not
1: right. It's it's very murder, she wrote. Like it, it the is. energy is like an updated version of that. That like you have a character that is your center point that you love, and then the people around them are either goofy or serious or loving, or you know, it's like it's a good blended cast of, of yes. types that you don't lose the seriousness, but there's also like camp to it.
2: Yes. Yes, they're all they're all delightful. Yeah. All right, so my next one is "Monsters: A Fan's Dilemma" by Claire Dieterer. I think this is a book that we all would probably be interested in because this kind of looks at problematic artists and how we as fans, or fans in general, sort of like how what do you do with that? Essentially, she Claire had written a Paris Review essay that went viral called what do we do with the art of monstrous men she asks can we love the work of hemingway polanski miles davis or picasso should we does a genius deserve special dispensation is male monstrosity the same as female monstrosity does art have a mandate to depict the darker elements of the psyche and so this essay sort of like expands on that original essay she explores like audience relationships with artists like woody allen and michael Jackson you know how do we balance our moral outrage with our love of these these works of art and you know just I'm I don't I'm going I'm just gonna try and go in I have feelings about certain artists we'll just say that and um art in whatever you know that's a that's a big word so music books all that um so I'm just interested to kind of go in and just see what, see what she lays out in terms of this point of view about just like asking this question, because I think it's something a lot of us are grappling with regarding a whole ton of different people and just like, yeah, what, what do you do? What do you do with that? Um, So it's out April 25th. And so I have to wait a couple, couple weeks, a couple months, but not too long.
1: I... I love the idea of this. I very much want to read it because I would love to see how other people are handling something mm-hmm. that so many of us are struggling with, with so many different artists in our lives.
2: Correct. Yeah. You know, like the question. It's sort of it's a blistering, smart interrogation of how we make and experience art in the age of me too, and of the link between genius and monstrosity. So, I've not read the essay. I don't know kind of how, like, what sort of narrative point of view she goes in with i may read that first to see if like, <laughs> I'm like if i could get maybe an inkling of like what size you know what i mean just but i i'm in this popped up and i was like okay this seems this seems like a, a good this is a good question to ask because i think it's something we all no matter what like fandom we fall into there's there's some all your all your faves are problematic so
1: yeah no matter how hard you try you're gonna
0: Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm
2: Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one on one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website hardknowpodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it
0: unapologetically. That's a hard no. my next pick doesn't need a lot of fanfare it is immortal longings by chloe gong so this is another summer pick we've got to wait until july 25th for this to come out so this is an adult epic fantasy this is her first adult novel i believe all her other ones up to this point have been ya and it's inspired by shakespeare once again we've got antony and cleopatra here So every year, thousands in the kingdom of Talon will flock to its capital, Twin Cities, San Air, where the palace hosts a set of games we love Uh, for those confident enough in their ability to jump between bodies. Competitors across the kingdom fight to the death to win unimaginable riches. Um, Princess Kala lurks in hiding. Five years ago, a massacre killed her parents and left the palace of Ur empty, and she was the one who did it. Before King Casa's sources in San can catch her, she plans to finish the job and bring down the monarchy. Her reclusive uncle always greets the victor of the game, so if she wins, she gets her opportunity at last to kill him. Enter Anton. He's an exiled aristocrat. His childhood love has lain in a coma since they were both ousted from the palace, and he's been uh, forced into debt to try to keep her alive. Thankfully, he's one of the best jumpers in the kingdom, fitting, splitting, excuse me, from body to body at will. His last chance of saving her is entering the games and winning. So we've got unexpected alliances here with Kala and Anton, um, help from King Cassa's adopted son August. And all of them have different motives and different goals. But will their partnership result in success for them all? Uh, who knows? So this sounds fantastic. Dick, Immortal Longings by Chloe Gong, out July 25th.
1: We love the games. <laughs> we love a, a series about games. My next title, out May 2nd, um, is a continuation of the Percy Jackson universe. I love me some Percy Jackson. So, this Nico D'Angelo story uh, by Rick Reardon and Mark Oshiro uh, has me hooked and ready to go. As the son of Hades, Nico has been through so much, from the premature deaths of his mother and sister, to being outed against his will, to losing his friend Jason during the trials of Apollo. But there is a ray of sunshine in his life, literally. His boyfriend, Will solace, the son of Apollo. Together, the two demigods can overcome any obstacle or foe. At least, that's been the case so far. Now, Nico is being plagued by a voice calling out to him from Tartarus, the lowest part of the underworld. He thinks he knows who it is, a reformed titan named Bob, whom Percy and Annabeth had to leave behind when they escaped Hades' realm. Nico's dreams and Rachel Dare's latest prophecy leave little doubt in Nico's mind that Bob is in some kind of trouble. Nico has to go on this quest, whether Mr. D and Chiron like it or not. And of course, Will insists on coming with. But can being made of light survive in the darkest part of the world? And what does the prophecy mean that Nico will have to leave something of equal value behind? Nico will have to face demons both internal and external as his relationship with Will is tested to the core in the standalone adventure featuring two of the most popular characters in the Percy Jackson saga. So that is The Sun and the Star by Rick Riordan and Mark Oshiro. Out May second. A note for our listeners: If you are looking for our usual link to this in the episode description, it is going to take you to Rick Riordan's website because how some pre-release things work. This title just isn't able to be listed yet, uh, but it will eventually, very soon, or like closer to May, pop up in our usual spaces. So a note on that. But that's uh that's yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Percy Jackson was another series on my list of always meant to read them. And then a couple of years ago, I just finally did it and sure glad I did.
2: Pre-releases are so fun sometimes.
1: Don't you just love it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds really fun. My next one, I don't have to talk too much about because by the time you are listening to this episode, we will have had an interview with the author on the podcast. So um, this is How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hunter. And it's all about families and haunted homes and selling them and the things that haunt us all in more ways than one. So that's all I'll say because you can go listen to the interview Joe did with Grady and that's probably gonna be way more interesting than me telling you about this. (laughs)
1: It's such a great book and it made me more emotional than I anticipated. <laughs>
2: his his books are so good. I love all of his books. And he's just delightful to talk to. So he is.
1: He was he was a true delight. And I'm yeah. excited to have all of you listen to it.
0: My next pick is a cheeky two picks. So I will be super brief. We have Secretly Yours by Tessa Bailey. And she already announced the second book in this world. Unfortunately, yours. So both of these books come out this year. with Secretly Yours out sooner. We've got a February 7th date for that, followed by Unfortunately Yours, which is out June 6th. I don't know that I need to say tons more other than it's a classic rom-com from Tessa Bailey. So it follows her normal style in Secretly Yours. You have a neighbor gardener and a professor. Um, We like our tropes here, so I'm just going to let you assume uh, what takes place in this. But um, she has her sort of standout characters um, in these that follow, in my opinion, a wonderful formula to romance. And I've thus far just been really charmed by everything I've read from Tessa Bailey. And I can't wait to dive back in and see uh, where she takes us with some new characters. So both of these books are set in Napa, um, which what a gorgeous setting uh, to have these different romances take place. Um, Just for the briefest of blurbs, Secretly Yours follows Hallie, Um, but she had a crush on Julian at 14. They almost kissed. It was traumatic. And nothing more came of it. Years later, he's returned to their small town in Napa and Hallie is hired to revamp the gardens at his family's winery and estate. Um, He's now a Stanford professor. And there's a drunken evening. They have opposite personalities. They've suddenly been forced back together um, in this same small town where they grew up. They've got a get over the events of the past and address uh, feelings of the present. So all of the things that I love, that's secretly yours. Um, And then check out, unfortunately yours, if you're interested in seeing what else um, Tessa Bailey has going on in this universe. Um, Again, that follows a down on her luck Napa heiress and a marriage of convenience. So if that sounds intriguing to you, I definitely recommend you check both of those out.
1: My next pick out May 30th is from Manuel Betancourt. This is The Male Gazed on Hunks, Heartthrobs, and What Pop Culture Taught Me About Desiring Men. So this kind of features deep dives into thirst traps, drag queens, Antonio Banderas, and telenovelas, all in service of helping us reframe how we talk about desiring men. It's an insightful memoir in essays, and it is much coming of age as coming out. So it's overall... It's about kind of looking at the thrall of masculinity, examining its frailty and attendant anxieties, even as it focuses on potential. So Betancourt suggests that it isn't necessarily ripe for destruction or even outright destruction amid so much talk about its inherent toxicity. And it looks back over decades worth of pop culture attempts to codify and reframe what men can be, where, do, and desire. So the book works to establish that to gaze at men is still a subversive act. Um, And it kind of touches on how he continually found himself asking while he was growing up, do I want him or do I want to be him? So this mingles personal anecdotes with cultural criticism to offer an exploration of intimacy, homoeroticism, and the danger of internalizing too many toxic ideas about masculinity as a gay man. So that is the male gazed by Manuel Betancourt out May 30th.
2: This one's really good. I think all of our books sound really good.
1: We, we know how to pick them. Uh, <laughs> I'm just really excited to kind of reflect on some things that I'm sure I can relate to that I didn't even realize when I was growing up. And also to see how someone who was coming from Columbia grew up with different social pressure entirely. But then, yeah. you know, how things like Disney films and teen heartthrobs and Saved by the Bell changed his perception. So I think it'll be uh, really enlightening.
2: Absolutely. My next one is The Golden Frog Games by Claire Bell A Ortega. I'll be I will I you know all I will be fully 100% transparent. This might be the one book I am the most looking forward to this year. I loved The Witchlings so much and I'm so excited for this sequel. So um Seven Valley and Thorn are back this time the 12 towns are gathering for a legendary magical tournament, the golden frog games and Raven Scale is hosting it this year. And of course, all eyes are on the famous spares because of their amazing work in the witch lanes. and thorn is ready to compete as a champion. But when a forbidden hex is used to turn her fellow champions to stone suspicion lands on the witch lanes. And so this amazing group of friends have to gather together and save their little magical world, and I'm so excited! <laughs> I just like, so much, so much. This book was The Witchlands was so good, and I'm so, so excited good. for this.
1: Yeah, so good. I am like feral, waiting for this <laughs> release. <laughs> like I, little gremlin under the bridge, I, waiting for the book. Like grabby hands, like grabby <laughs> <Yes>. hands. <laughs> Please give me now, because. <laughs> Like a perfect cute series, and I I want more.
2: I know the characters are so fun. It's just this, oh god, so good. So good.
0: It looks so good. I've really gotta get it on my list to read this year. I've heard literally nothing but fantastic things. So my next pick is A Crown of Ivy and Glass by Claire Legrand. This comes out May 9th, and this is her adult debut, I believe. And it's a fantasy romance, big shocker. It's, uh, touted as being for fans of Bridgerton and a court of thorns and roses. So those are two of my favorite things, uh, obviously. So this follows lady Gemma. She seemingly has it all young, gorgeous, rich. Her family was anointed by the gods blessed with incredible abilities, except for her. She possesses no magic. And instead her body is actually sick from the magic. It acts, like a poison to her. So she's the only one in her family of seemingly talented and blessed who is not uh, responsive to the magic like they are. She meets a devastatingly handsome Talon Love the names here again. (laughs) And he's got his own set of issues. His family destroyed themselves, seduced by a demon, and he was the only survivor. So he's determined to redeem the honor of the family. Um, Intrigued and enchanted, Gemma proposes a bargain. She'll help Talon navigate high society if he helps her destroy the Basques. Um, They're a mysterious family that their family is embroiled in a blood feud with to help each other. We love this. Where are like, I'll help you. You help me. But what happens while we're trying to achieve our own goals? I sense romance. So they are inexplic- inexorably drawn towards each other um, with all consuming passion. I love when just, you know, things get complicated when you fall in love <laughs> and you got to reassess your priorities. So this just sounds wonderful. This is the start of a new series, I believe and I can't wait for this. This is out again on May 9th, the adult debut, A Crown of Ivy and Glass from Claire LeGrand.
1: Who doesn't love a good blood feud? (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) My next pick out March 7th, uh, this is Old Babes in the Wood by Margaret Atwood. I haven't read a short story collection in a minute, and So this one is on the top of my list. You can't go wrong with the acclaimed and award-winning author of The Handmaid's Tale. So this is a collection of short stories that look deeply into the heart of family relationships, marriage, loss, and memory, and what it means to spend a life together. So there are 15 extraordinary stories in here, some of which have appeared in The New Yorker, New York Times Magazine, They explore the full warp and weft of experience, speaking to our unique times with Atwood's characteristic insight, wit, and intellect. Um, The two intrepid sisters of the title story grapple with loss and memory on a perfect summer evening. Impatient Griselda explores alienation and miscommunication with a fresh twist on a folklore classic. Um... And yeah, so it's just a lot of great collections there, Uh, fun, different stories, short, quick, to the point, all addressing the same central themes. And at the heart of the collection are seven extraordinary stories that follow a married couple across the decades, the moments big and small that make up a life, a long life of uncommon love and what comes after. So of the 15, seven of those follow the same people through time. this is her first time kind of returning to short fiction since 2014 uh, with the collection Stone Mattress. So Atwood is showcasing her creativity and her humanity in these tales, uh, which by turn delight, illuminate, and quietly devastate. So that is Old Babes in the Wood by Margaret Atwood. Coming to us soon on March 7th.
2: I'm here for any, you know, new Margaret Atwood. Speaking of sometimes problematic babes, but you know what? It's okay it's
1: okay
2: (laughs) um my next one is she is a haunting by trang tron tran i believe is how the the names are pronounced so this is a another gothic story love it we're all here for the gothic creepy houses so in jade when arrives in Vietnam for a visit with her estranged father, she has one goal: survive 5 weeks pretending to be a happy family in the French colonial house Ba is restoring. She's always liked to fit in, so if she's straight enough, Vietnamese enough, American enough she can get out uh, with the college money he promised. But the house has other plans. Night after night, Jade wakes up paralyzed, the walls exude a thrumming sound. While bugs leave their legs and feelers in places they don't belong. No, thank you. She finds curious traces of her ancestors in the gardens they once tended. And at night, Jade can't ignore the ghost of the beautiful bride who leaves cryptic warnings. Don't eat. Neither Ba nor her sweet sister Lily believe that there is anything strange happening. With help from a delinquent girl, Jade will prove this house, the home they've always wanted, will not rest until it destroys them. Maybe this time she can keep her family together. Um, yes, please. Like, home. there's like been this recent trend in books, which I am totally here for, of like homes kind of taking on a very big personality in books, and I need more of them. Again, like grabby hands and just all gothic homes in stories are just... Or like homes in gothic books, I suppose sh- I should say, are just, I'm all of it. I'm here for all of it.
1: So excited to see the return to the gothic writing style. Yes. With today's sensibilities, I guess I'll say. Like uh, with our yes. language and timing of today, I find them so much more compelling. Because of course we could return to the classics, but I want today's gothics.
2: <laughs> agreed. Agreed. But I think we've had like several, I mean like.
1: A lot this, of beautiful ones. I mean. Uh, just today. How to sell I a mean, haunted, house. haunted house.
2: Yeah, that's. <laughs> just, yeah, it's incredible. Love it. Love it.
0: That sounds so great. I agree. I'm all here for that. So my next pick is going to be a very short call out because there's hardly any information even about this book out yet, but it is Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. We love Rachel Harrison. This is set to release in September of this year. And all we know, and this is really all I needed to know, is that it's a book about a cynical 20-something who must confront her cultish family in this fiery and irreverent novel. So that's all I got. And I can't wait to see what else comes out about this. Love it. That's all
1: you need.
0: That's really all we need. So (laughs) That
1: sounds fantastic.
0: Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. We've got that slated for September of this year.
1: Oh. So excited for more Rachel Harrison in my life. My next pick out May 16th is a much anticipated hilarious new essay collection from number one New York Times bestselling unabashed fan favorite Samantha Irby, where Irby invites us to share in the gory particulars of her real life, all that festers behind the glitter and glam. So Irby is the best-selling author of Wow, No Thank You. Samantha Irby has returned to the printed page with a much-anticipated new collection of side-splitting essays and not a moment too soon. Irby's career has taken her to new heights. She dodges calls from Hollywood and flops sweatpants on the red carpet at premieres. Well, one premiere. Uh, But nothing is ever as it seems online where she can crop out all the ugly parts. Irby got a lot of weird emails about Carrie Bradshaw, and not only is there diarrhea to avoid, but now anaphylactic shock. She has turned away from restaurants for being inappropriately dressed and looks for the best ways to cope, i.e. reveling in the offerings of QVC and adopting a deranged pandemic dog filled with such unabashed gems as advice for the bathroom etiquette you were dying to know, but always too afraid to ask and an expose on how to speak with an actual teenager quietly hostile makes light as Irby takes us on another outrageously funny tour of all the gory details that make up the true portrait of a life behind the screenshotted depression memes, relatable, poignant, and uproarious. Once again, Irby is the tonic we all need to get by. So that is quietly hostile by Samantha Irby out May 16th.
2: Her essays are so hilarious so and poignant. Funny. And I hope she's reading the audiobook again because I think she has for the other collection she's done. So,
1: so good. I know. So good.
2: <laughs> My next one is The Late Americans by Brandon Taylor. Brandon is the author of the book. Booker prize nominated real life and the best-selling filthy animals. And he's back with a new novel in the shared and private spaces of Iowa city, a loose circle of lovers and friends encounter confront and provoke one another in a volatile year of self-discovery. At the group center are Ivan, a dancer turned aspiring banker who dabbles in amateur pornography, Fatima, whose independence and work ethic complicates her relationships with friends and a trusted mentor, and Noah, who didn't seek out sex so much as it came up to him like an anxious dog in need of affection. Such a good description. That's a quote, by the way. (laughs) So good. These three are buffeted by a cast of poets, artists, landlords, meatpacking workers, and mathematicians who populate the cafes, classrooms, and food service kitchens of Iowa City, sometimes to violent and electrifying consequences. Finally, as each prepares for an uncertain future, the group heads to a cabin to bid goodbye to their former lives, a moment of reckoning that leaves each of them irrevocably altered. Friendship, chosen family, all the things, drama personal relationships drama ah yes just I love his writing so much and I'm very excited for this one
1: and always give us the drama
2: always the drama chosen family drama I'm you know chosen fa- like a like a non-chosen family but a family or more t- chosen family has just as much family drama and whatever to get through so
0: I love that So my next pick would fit our 2023 reading challenge prompt for a book. You only chose because of the cover bring me your midnight by Rachel Griffin. This book is out. I think it's in August of this year. I know about this book though. So not quite for the cover, but I will say the cover of this is absolutely stunning. So look it up. It's gorgeous. Um, But this is from the New York Times bestselling author of The Nature of Witches and Wild is the Witch. We have a lush romantic fantasy about forbidden love, the choices we make, and the pull between duty and desire. I am sorry, not sorry that all of my picks for this year are romantic fantasies. Apparently, uh, we have a type and we stick to it. So this follows Tana Fairchild. Her fate has never been in question. Her life has been planned out since the moment she was born. She's to marry the governor's son, Landon, and secure an unprecedented alliance between the witches of her island home and the mainlanders who see her very existence as a threat. Tana's coven has appeased those who fear their power for years by releasing most of their magic into the ocean during the full moon. But when Tana misses the midnight ritual, a fatal mistake, there is no one she can turn to for help until she meets Wolf. Wolf claims he's from a coven that practices dark magic, making him one of the only people who can help her. But he refuses to let Tana's power rush into the the sea, the sea, the sea and instead teaches her his forbidden magic, a magic that makes her feel powerful and alive. As the sea grows more violent, her coven loses control of the currents, a danger that could destroy the Alliance as well as her island. Tana will have to choose between love and duty, between loyalty to her people and loyalty to her heart. Marrying Landon would secure peace for her coven, but losing Wolf and his wild magic could cost her everything else. Yep, so that's Bring Me Your Midnight by Rachel Griffin.
1: will love triangle. We love to see it.
0: (laughs) I mean, for the most anticipated of the year, I'm really leaning into those elements that I can always count on.
1: (laughs) Emma, you like what you like, and I love that about you, you know? And because of your passion for fantasy, fantasy romance, I have decided to challenge myself this year and shoot for a fantasy title. So I am starting off with a new series coming July 25th. This is The Sun and the Void from Gabriela Romero La Cruz. It's a lush world inspired by the history of folklore of South Africa, and it's a sweeping epic fantasy of colonialism, ancient magic, and two young women's quest for belonging. So stuck living on the edges of society, her only salvation lies in an invitation from her grandmother she's never known, but the journey is dangerous and prayer can't always avert disaster. This is Riena. She is attacked by creatures that stalk the region. She's on the verge of death until her grandmother, a dark sorceress, intervenes. Now dependent on the Donya's magic for her life, Rihanna will do anything to earn and keep her favor, even the bidding of an ancient god who whispers to her in the night. Then, of course, there's Ava, who is listed as illegitimate of a mix and of mixed heritage she is her family's shame she tries her best to perfect and to hide her oddities but ava is hiding a secret magic calls to her ava knows she should find the way to fight the temptation magic is the sign of the dark god and using it is punishable by death yet it's hard to deny power when it has always been denied to you she's walking a dangerous path one that gets stranger every day and in the end she'll become something she never imagined so that is The Sun and the Void. It is the Warring Gods series, book one by Gabriela Romero-La Cruz, out July
2: 25th. That sounds really good. And we are also apparently all on the same, same wavelength because I also have a magic witch related book up next. <laughs> um, my next one is Venco by Sherry Dimoline. Uh, so millennial lucky st james is barely hanging on when she learns she'll be evicted from the tiny toronto apartment she she shares with her cantankerous but loving grandmother stella but then one night something strange and irresistible calls out to lucky she burrows through a wall to find a tarnished silver spoon humming with otherworldly energy etched with a crooked nose witch and the word salem Lucky is familiar with the magic of her indigenous ancestors, but she has no idea that the spoon connects her to a teeming network of witches across North America who have anxiously awaited her discovery. Enter Venco, a front company fueled by vast resources of dark money. Its name is an anagram of Coven. Venco's witches hide in plain sight wherever women gather. Tupperware parties, mommy knee classes, suburban book clubs. Since colonial times, they have awaited the moment the seven spoons will come together and ignite a new era, returning women to their rightful power. But as reckoning approaches, a very powerful adversary is stalking their every move. He's Jay, a roguish and deadly witch hunter as old as witchcraft itself. To find the last spoon, Lucky and Stella embark on a rollicking and dangerous road trip to the dark magical city of New Orleans, where the final showdown will determine wh- whether Venko will usher in a new beginning or remain unground forever. I, where do I even start with the perfectness of this Entire description. It's out February seventh, so luckily I only have a couple of weeks to wait. Venco just Venco sounds. I'm sure, like sounds intentionally like a market marketing. Level.
1: Absolutely, like the perfect shell company. it's
2: Like an MLM. Uh-huh. Venco.
1: Write your life with Venco. It just, Jill, come I know. on, this,
2: I know, this is perfect. No,
1: and the cover, like. Mm. I am so excited for this now. I
2: know. <laughs> I'm aware. I know. That's why That's why I brought it. That's why I brought it.
1: Yes.
0: I can't wait. We have so many good picks in this, if I do say so myself. My final official pick is The Brothers Hawthorne by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. I don't feel like this needs any introduction other than to say that we revisit the world of the inheritance games trilogy this time from grace and Hawthorne and Jameson Hawthorne's perspective. So if you were clamoring for more of these two gentlemen in the inheritance games, uh, here you go. Jennifer Lynn Barnes is happy to oblige. So this is out August 29th of this year. And again, it revisits the world of the Hawthorns. I, I can't wait. I'm I i can not wait. Team Jameson, by the way. Uh, So if you're into, you know, the whole love triangle thing, as we see often in Young Adult, I'm just excited to see things from these two two perspectives. Um, From the Inheritance Games trilogy, we obviously got to see things through Avery's perspective, and now we get to see it through the two brothers. So this is the Brothers Hawthorne. And this is out in August. And I know we don't have too much uh, longer to wait to return back to this world because she's also working on a book called The Grandest Game. I don't have any details on that, but I don't think there'll be any shortage of the Hawthorns.
1: Sounds like a a great year for Jennifer Lynn Barnes lovers.
0: Yeah. And the cover. It's (laughs) good. It's stunning. Had to be said.
1: Had to be said. Uh, for my last pick, I went with our, my first ever live event. Uh, this is out June 20th. It's Zero Days by Ruth Ware. So Ruth is returning with this adrenaline-fueled thriller that combines Mr. and Mrs. Smith with The Fugitive about a woman in a race against time to clear her name and find her husband's murderer. Hired by companies to break into buildings and hack security systems, Jack and her husband, Gabe, are the best penetration specialists in the business. But after a routine assignment goes horribly wrong, Jack arrives home to find her husband dead. To add to her horror, the police are closing in on the suspect, her suddenly on the run and quickly running out of options jack must decide who she can trust as she circles closer to the real killer in this unputdownable and heart-pounding mystery from an author whose propulsive prose keeps readers on the hook and refuses to let anyone off until all has been revealed that last is a quote from shelf awareness so this is zero days by ruth ware coming to us june 20th super excited because this is this definitely seems like a departure from many of her other works.
2: Love Ruth Ware. Love Ruth Ware. Love Ruth Ware. My next one is Kiss Me in the Coral Lounge by Helen Ellis. Um Intimate Confessions from a Happy Marriage. This is so Helen Ellis is back with another collection of essays, this time about love and marriage. Coral Lounge is a room in her New York City apartment that is painted that color. It is in the Coral Lounge where all the parties happen. A game called What's in the Box makes its uproarious debut. The Puzzle Posse pounces on a 500-page jigsaw of a beheaded priest and guests don blindfolds for a raucous bridal shower. When the pandemic shuts down the city, the Coral Lounge becomes a place of refuge where Helen and her husband binge-watch Joan Collins' dynasty dote on two spoiled cats and where Helen discovers... Even 20 years into marriage, her husband still makes her heart pitter-patter. Helen is just a delight. She's been on the podcast a couple of times, and I believe my last interview with her in maybe 2020, and we did it over Zoom, and I can confirm that her apartment, at least whatever room she was in, I don't think it was the Coral Lounge, but I'm like, yeah, of course you have a room that in your house that you call the Coral Lounge that is that color. <laughs> she's just, she's a very bright and bubbly and sparkly personality and I love her writing and I'm I'm super excited to to read about you know her relationship with her husband who will like make appearances sometimes in her story or her essays but now it's sort of you know focused on that and so I'm I'm excited for this one so it's out June 13th
1: I love anyone who has the energy that causes them to name specific rooms in their house to have to give like a name for their home yes i aspire to be one of those people so
2: yes she's just big
1: respect big
2: respect (laughs) big
0: respect yeah yeah helena's a delight i can't wait and as we wrap up i think that was all of our picks Mm -hmm. yay our most anticipated reads of 2023. I'm doing a little bit of a cheat and giving a call out. I'm also looking forward to Crescent city three by Sarah J. Moss, which I am positive will come out in 2023. Um, I'm not positive. I'm just really, really, really hoping that we have a release date announcement soon. So
1: I want that for you, Emma. Yay. It would be I, I would so love an announcement. Great.
0: It would be so great. Uh, if we could have that out in 2023, if not, Tack it on to the list for 2024. With that, thank you so much for listening to this jam packed episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. We are so excited that you spend uh, even a minute with us uh, every week. So thank you and happy reading.
2: Happy reading. Happy reading. Readers
0: can sample and
2: borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com.
1: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw